Welcome to Cangria, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And we are very excited for uh, another great show today. That that did throw me a little bit because uh, that was actually the automation running uh, and not our uh, intro. So I was uh, a little bit uh, frazzled. Now we do have Sebastian on the line. Sebastian, how are you doing today? Let's let's try that again. How are you doing, Sebastian? Hi, am I? Am I have you muted me? I no. Well, you know the temptation is always there to mute you, <laughs> um, but uh, on this occasion I have not muted you. There we go. Now you should be able to see me as well. There you All go. All right, excellent. Well, what a week it has been. Uh, I'm now seeing uh, Sebastian here as well, uh, and I'm very excited because. This week, we are joined uh, by a very, very special guest, uh, and we'll be diving into that in just a few moments, um, just before we uh, we, int- we introduce the show. Um, later this in the show, we're going to be touching on some international stories, some new Canadian stories, in particular, educational reform. Well, I say reform here in uh, a very, very uh, healthy dose of, of air quotes, reform. Uh, is the is the way I'm going to phrase it um, in the Saskatchewan uh, educational policy, um, uh, but we'll dive into that in just a few moments. Now, Sebastian, I had mentioned to you th- th- this is not the first time I've been on TikTok and seen something and gone, "Ooh, ooh, that's that's really really interesting," and so much so, in fact, that I think that our many listeners across the whole of the Greater Toronto area, Vancouver, Halliburton, BC, we're all over the place. I'm sure all our listeners would love to uh, get a sense of this. Um, so I am thrilled to welcome uh, Benjamin on the uh, onto the radio show today. Uh, how are you doing, Ben? Hello. Um, I'm doing wonderful. It's so nice to be here and in and, and Canada, well, virtually. It's Absolutely. wonderful. Thank you. Now, I, I thought your, uh, your, your vocal cords were a bit uh, strained this morning and, and maybe we weren't, uh, we weren't able to have you on. Yeah, I woke up, I kind of like, I don't know, busy weekend, was playing kickball yesterday, lots of, you know, uh, having a good time, uh, screaming a little bit. But I've got tea, I took some cold medicine and we're going to do this. I'm very excited. Absolutely. Now, what our <laughs> listeners can't see is your adorable cat uh, in the background. Uh, which oh, is, yeah, she's it's just fantastic. I think it's snack time for her. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. All right. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to have you on is because mm-hmm. uh, I just organically, um, through our use of TikTok, uh, found you. You are the Ben the Flirt Coach. Uh, yes, on TikTok. I go by yeah Benjamin the Flirt Coach on TikTok and across social media. <laughs> Absolutely. And do you want to let folks uh, know, you know, if they're looking you up, what can they expect your content to look like? Yeah, so I love like you're going to see me talk about really the three themes, three big things of flirting, dating and confidence. And I'm going to bring flirting, which is really my passion into everything, um, because I talk about flirting as just being about connection. There's themes of authenticity and non-attachment and non-judgment. And it really just helps us relate and connect with one another, which um I like I'm just all about so it's yeah that's what I love talking about now I I did uh, frankly I don't think I did you any justice when (laughs) (laughs) last week I was trying to explain uh, the motivation for bringing you on the show to Sebastian Uh um, and I just 
I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but what really stood out to me, and correct me if I've misinterpreted you, but what really stood out to me is in several of the videos I've seen, it's about shifting that focus to what you have more control over yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and less about what someone else may or may not, you know, f feel or do or react in a certain way. And it's that, 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 yes. uh, that, that, looking inwards that for me i don't think we do that enough as a as, as a especially queer young queer folks um mm -hmm. you know is is that a common theme or did i just happen to land on the one video that was uh <laughs> discussing that no that's i'm really this is exciting for me that's definitely something i talk about where it's like kind of how do you show up to the flirt or you're going on a first date something like that and it can feel like oh like you have to put on the best kind of first impression or say the just right thing and so i want people to really take that pressure off of themselves and really just have more fun and feel more confident and empowered out there and just look to make a connection and ultimately just focus on that and like i've made some videos kind of teasing like here's your kind of five signs he likes you and then i'm like f the signs right like i don't want you really focusing on sort of all the signs instead mm. of looking at ultimately what do you want is this a connection that's serving you and then looking at the bigger picture is this kind of fitting into your overall kind of just where you're at in life is this i i have a suspicion that you may have come uh you know come out with the right message at very much the right time mm. you know the 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 pandemic really had us all locked up uh, in our little rabbit holes for yeah. what felt like 37.5 years. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we've yeah. all crawled out from underneath these very large rocks that we collectively <laughs> hid under. And uh -huh. There is a sense of, you know, honestly, if uh, thankfully I'm, I'm in a I'm in a relationship. Um, I don't know if Jake is as thankful for it, but I am. But you know, <laughs> that's that's one piece. But I don't know how I would even go about flirting now. I feel like the the mm. the the world is a different place, you know, post pandemic. And I shudder to, to even begin to think about how younger folks who were 16, 17, and 18, or even 19 mm. during the pandemic, um, and, you know, may not recall the before times and, mm -hmm. and what flirting looked like in the before times. I'm seeing Sebastian's uh, eyebrows raising here for our, for our audience sake. Um, you know, do you think that flirting has changed pre and post uh, pandemic? Somewhat. I mean, I'm definitely seeing this shift where like, I don't get a lot of questions or requests about like, how can I make sort of my best online dating profile? It's like, I'm looking to sort of move out of kind of cut that phase out of dating and just look to have more organic connections, meeting people in person. Um, but yeah, depending on kind of really where you're at in life and how you experience the pandemic. Yeah. Like people that missed or yeah, really miss their senior years of high school and their freshman years of college. Like it's, there's quite a lot of those people on Flirt Talk, as I say, um, sort of like, how do I just get back out there and meeting people? But then it's all, it's all ultimately about the same thing and about how you show up and just feeling how you are in the moment and taking that pressure off of yourself. Um, talk a lot about just not having expectations of yourself and also of the other person, right? We can be so sometimes just a judgmental of others. And so um, just always coming back to that core theme of connection, both to yourself and just keeping focused on that when you're out there flirting and dating. It's 
but it's we're out of practice like we are it's been a minute and um yeah <laughs> we're getting back out there one of the one of the best moments of advice i had um was something that uh sebastian told me he i think he essentially told me to to shut up and sit down was was really the the highlight summary of of it it was uh it was young it was early in the relationship and the novelty was starting to wear off mm. you know the 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 new excitement the honeymoon period and it's like mm -hmm. oh you know we, we, this is you know is, is this this is not as not as um i'm not going to say not as fun but not as new yeah. anymore and it was a mm -hmm. case yeah. of like oh okay maybe maybe the time has come for me to move on and mm. I think Sebastian was talking about how queer folks, gay men in particular, uh, mm -hmm. have always treated each other as as disposable, at least mm -hmm. millennials and older. Um, this idea of there's plenty of other fish in the sea and, you know, statistically speaking, there really are not. Um, mm. Are you finding that that's something that's still there? Are people still struggling to to treat people with a bit more humanity, put a bit bit more effort in for a bit longer? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it so depends. Like I hear really great stories from people and then other stories that are like, oh, this is definitely my experience. And, um, I think it comes down to like what you described is kind of that ending of the honeymoon, so to speak. I call it the flirt cool down. Like you're really kind of coming down from the high of the flirt. And ultimately it's like, when you're just getting to know someone, you're really in that stage of fantasy and desire. And so it can be sort of, how can you keep that alive? And well, my answer is flirt your way through it. I mean, like, that's going to really keep the fantasy alive, the desire alive. And so this is um, just kind of like the overarching thing of, like, once you're making that connection, whatever it may be, and that fantasy sort of dissipates, it's like, okay, well, now what's coming next? So how can you, like, I don't know, what if you could keep that fantasy alive for longer? Like, I don't know, maybe. So I'm kind of seeing it um, both ways. Hmm. People uh, have that, that, that that moment came up in part because uh, when I was doing my graduate studies, I, I was in cognitive sciences and I was in a lab that was studying human interactions. And I was asked by my supervisor to read pickup artist manuals. Mm -hmm. And what he said is that if a straight man writes about it, it's creepy. If a woman writes about it, it, it may or may not whatever. But he said if a gay man uh -huh. does an academic research on straight male pickup artists... <laughs> then it's neutral. Like he said, this is the only way this can be done seriously. So I had to read dozens of these. And uh, the, the crazy thing about flirting is that there are so many different frameworks on, on how to make it happen. And, and the most famous of the lot was Mystery, who later on came out and said, like, look, this is not the method on how to find a partner. You're not going to find a wife using my method. This is, mm -hmm. this is how you get party girls who would probably put out anyway to put out specifically with you and not somebody else. But there are um, people in that scene who did sort of go away from that and say, well, how do you find a partner? How do you learn to flirt in a way to find and keep a partner? Mm -hmm. And there was one that really stuck out at me. And I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. They all go under these like pseudonyms. And I don't remember this guy's pseudonym. And I've been trying to look it up. But his thing was he went around... Uh, studying how old people talk to each other on the presumption oh. that they've known each other for decades. Mm. Uh, because people who've known each other for decades talk to each other in a different way than how other people do. 
And he would just listen to old people in the park talking and they would say things like, you know, I never did understand what's the correct way to eat a peach. And then people would talk about that for like 20 minutes. And it's the kind of thing that most people would be like, is it really interesting to talk about whether or not you do glasses before cutlery or cutlery before glasses when you're washing dishes? But, you know, if you've known somebody for a long time, that's fine. And he would adapt that and actually just tested that. He would go to museums and talk to pretty girls and he would just say things like, I never know how far away you're supposed to stand from a painting. And that would be his opening line. That's it's not super flirty, but it is so comfortable hmm. and familiar that it's yeah. there's something authentic about it. And he said, it's really weird that you can falsify authenticity, but in a way that is also authentic, that the only thing that you're falsifying is that you're skipping over all the hello, my name is and mm -hmm. hey, you're beautiful and all that and just go right to the meat. What do you want? You want somebody who's going to be with you for the next 40 years. Why not start today as if that's how it already is? And you need guts to pull this off. <laughs> but to study guts, he also studied old people. He said, when you when you get to the socks and sandals and cargo shorts part of your life, um, <laughs> is that confidence or is that indifference? And at that point in time, does the difference matter? And he would start looking at what is the difference between confidence and indifference? And it never really took off because it didn't have that allure of like getting party girls that the other pickup artists had but it always struck mm -hmm. me as being this interesting sort of you know there there is nothing quite so seductive as authenticity and somebody who clearly wants to be with you in the long run and mm -hmm. i don't know i, I always thought it, it, it's an interesting realm of discussion about like you know the fantasy keeping the fantasy alive of you know, seduction and, and, you know, I actually remember reading another manual from a, a woman who was very good at seducing men about like, you know, the, the satin lingerie and the scented candles and making that sort of beautiful image of yourself and the prettiness. And mm -hmm. it's not even about being beautiful. It's about developing a fantasy and nurturing it and, and drawing other people in versus um, how to set up an authentic experience that makes them know that they're there for something real. Mm -hmm. And both approaches they have their they 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 each have their 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 means because like even if you're in a long term relationship, keeping the fantasy alive is very important, even if just for for playfulness, or for you know letting the other person know that you're still growing and you're not stagnant, and you are the same person you were twenty years ago, but not in a bad way, <laughs> that you have grown, you have learned new skills, you've got new ideas, you've got new things to contribute, even though time has passed. And seduction is one of those ways of kind of indicating that it, it's it's a weird field to look into on how people interact with each other. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's very it's something I have these thoughts myself a lot too, and so yeah, I look into them and I think about them. I I think what jumped out at me about the videos that you've posted on this is really zeroing in on the areas that we can control. You know, you mm -hmm. can't control whether or not someone is going to ghost you or someone's going to, you know, but what you can do is manage your own expectations, manage your own um mm -hmm. your your inputs and the outputs that you can that yep. you can expect what is yes. it that made you kind of zero in on those elements uh, as opposed to perhaps what were flirting styles from before um well i really you know i started i started always just every video was about flirting 
and it was really fun and I was having a good time and people were paying attention, right? And like, I was getting good feedback. And then I was like, okay, sort of what comes after this? Like, why would someone be flirting? It's, it's may not be from my perspective of like, the gay Libra, right? It's like how I introduce myself sometimes and I'm going around just flirting up a storm, but that's how, like, how I live mm -hmm. my life. And but other people are like, no, I'm like really flirting to more so date. So then I'm starting to talk more about dating um, and just always like really trying to shift the perspective of instead of keeping so much focus on the other person, really just coming from ultimately what do you want? I talk about confidence as being knowing who you are, knowing what you want and how to ask for what you want. And so once you can really build that, like have that framework working for yourself. It's like, it's, yeah, I take the approach of, I want you dating less, right. But more intentionally. So going mm -hmm. on fewer dates, even, but more dates with the same person, like really looking for those kinds of connections. Um, and just like, yeah, I really try and just give the best value I can. And I love like answering comments and going live. And so it's just, it's really fun for me to help people and like really see that shift of, they're feeling just more empowered and just having more fun. Like I want people having just more fun. It's going to be, there's going to be some rejection. Like there's going to be some heartbreak. That's a part of the process. Like you don't, no one's gets to just kind of skate by all of that. It's, it's a part of it, but then how can we, right? Like there's always another flirt. How can we just get back up and get back out there when we're ready? So. I mean, I think that that is, you know, I remember, I remember dating and, um, <laughs> You, it's, I'll you, i'm doing it currently it's very difficult <laughs> yeah you because you you invest a part of yourself into it and you know we mm -hmm. we've all daydreamed about oh you know maybe this will happen maybe that will happen mm -hmm. and how do you how do you draw that line between wishful thinking and fantasy building and, and to not get disappointed if these these realities you've constructed in your head uh, yeah. Don't come anywhere near true. Yeah. You know, how do um, how do we avoid that? I try and sort of navigate this space where I'm actually telling people to stay delusional. Like <laughs> the Lulu is a Salulu is what Absolutely. I talk about. And what I mean is you don't get to be delusional and then also bypass self-awareness or not hold yourself accountable or just, you know, treat someone else poorly. No, like mm. you can then get to, you know, when you're nervous flirting or like, oh, what am I going to say? No, like remember in delusion, none of that matters. You just get to show up and be you and you're not thinking and just overthinking everything. Um, but then also, um, oh, and I lost my train of thought. What was the other part of your question? I got so excited. <laughs> you know, I, I also have forgotten what I'd said. So that's <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah, well, I want show. people to yeah, be kind of in this space of delusion, but then also um, you know, still be really self aware and um I think we were talking about just like, oh, right, how to um, manage expectations. And that's a big part of what I talk about in flirting is um, when you're out there flirting is to be just totally in the present moment. That's where you just get to be you. I know that's kind of like, what does that even mean? But it's like when you're just totally not thinking about what you're going to say next or what just happened, right? You're just there and you can be you. All the sort of overanalyzing and overthinking goes away. And with that, so do your expectations and your attachment to a specific outcome right if you want the number or you want the first date or the kiss like it's okay like we're making the connection and what happens happens but it's going to be okay i wonder if that connects to uh that idea of you know how far away do i stand from the painting you know it's mm -hmm. you know that that idea of of not getting caught up in the preamble and the script and the and the what mm -hmm. have you but rather i am here 
This is yeah. a museum. We're enjoying it. Yeah. Do you stand Be five present, feet or yeah. four feet? You know, I I think that's excellent advice. This is something that I've always well, not always. It took me a long time to figure this out through a lot of uh, let, let's say a uh, 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 bad moments in my life. Um, whatever your fantasies are of your future romance, those fantasies are probably stupid. Um, simply because reality will always throw you a curveball mm. that is better than anything you could have imagined. Mm. And whatever Hollywood scripted fantasy you have in your head of how your relationship is going to go down, until you're in a good relationship, you don't know what a good relationship looks like. Your fantasies are probably falling short of what's truly possible. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have, like, this is what I want. Um... But to actually say, well, you're not that thing, so never mind. Well, they're, they're probably something else that's perfect that you haven't realized yet because you just haven't known them long enough mm -hmm. or you haven't gotten to speak them with them long enough. Now, it doesn't mean you should push through and just, like, force every possible relationship to be that thing. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. But if it's working well, then it's working well, you know? Just chill out, buddy. It's, it's, it's fine. Just roll with it, you know? Could be worse, could be better. It's fine. If you got something better to do, go do that better thing. If you don't have something better to do, this is working. Work with it. And I think that's actually what I said to, to Luke, is if you got something better to do, if you got somewhere else to be, then mm. fine. Break up with this guy. But you don't. And I've seen you together. You get along well. Mm -hmm. Could it be better? Maybe. Work on it. Yeah. I'm wondering then, you know, we are, we're obviously touching on some, some of our own anecdotes, but you've spoken oh, yeah. to a lot of people about flirting. What mm. is, you know, some of the most common uh, questions that people come up with? I assume they're asking, you know, how do I flirt and, and maybe those kinds of things. But what's, what's the thing that seems to recur most frequently that perhaps our listeners might be, might be uh, thinking, uh, but obviously are, are not in the room to ask? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest is, and I mean, this is one of the top questions I get is how do I differentiate, like, tell the difference between someone that's flirting versus just being nice, right? Like, mm. how do I sort of read that situation and see, like, right, is this a flirt? Or are we just, like, sort of having some small talk kind of thing? Um, yeah, that's one of the, the, for sure, the biggest. <laughs> well, how, how I'm you know, maybe as a, as a very so, uh, sociable uh, gay man, um, I am pretty sure that in many of the conversations I'm having with people, there is, you know, maybe it's like 80, 20, 20 percent flirt, 80 percent, uh, you know, the weather. Uh, you know, yeah. how, how do you differentiate or do we or do you just have to ask, you know, like how what would what would you say to someone asking? Is this I a, mean, a flirt to a conversation? Yeah. One of the key differentiator, differentiators to me is, and so like, just looking at my flirt framework where you got the T of the flirt stands for tension and excitement. And what that also means is when you're out there flirting, there's kind of this momentum to it. There's an anticipation. There's like a true back and forth that mm -hmm. feels like a real energetic connection. Like it's, you're probably smiling, you're laughing your way through it. You're having a really good time. And so like when you're just talking about the weather, could that be important too? Yeah. But you're maybe not having this kind of excitement about it. Um, and so there's this big part of the flirting that's an energetic connection. And so that's the best way I can describe like that key difference. I can't tell you like you're going to be like this number of sort of like excited points or something. Right. There's not really like a way to measure it. But when you are when you're in it, you know it and you feel it. And that's really the difference between flirting and just small talk or anything else. It's that energetic connection. And that's another reason like how, you know, you're really making a connection. 
it feels good. Now, as a stepping away from from that just for a moment, I, I, I'm wondering here, and uh, please bear with me as I ramble through this thought. Mm. I'm wondering here, you know, we we've interviewed neuroscientists about you know pre natal development of the hypothalamus and hormone mm. levels in pregnancy and all of the many, many different things that contribute to making a gay man, um, you know, in terms of uh, um, genetics and so on. But I bring right. this up because there has always been this sense that uh, gay men in particular uh, are somehow a bit of a bridge or, or, or a, a conduit between how straight men are understood and how straight women are understood, uh, mm. and you know, understanding that language perhaps a little a little better. Yeah. Do you find that that comes up at all? Are gay men just perhaps uh, a little bit more flirty, or a bit a little bit more tuned into flirting? Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't think it's a given. I don't think it's mm. sort of the same for everybody. Because I work in. Um, you know, talk with a lot of, of gay men and queer individuals that really struggle with flirting for many reasons. It could be anxiety or putting themselves out there, just not having the experience of flirting growing up. There's this big theme in flirting, too, that comes up really for everyone of, um, you know, to flirt, you have to give attention, but then you're expected to receive it back. And so what mm -hmm. happens when you're able to give, but then not receive? And mm -hmm. so um, ultimately, it's... Uh, it just it really kind of I'm losing my train of thought again. I'm so excited. So it's not it's it's not a special genetic gift of the gays. Then, oh, but, right. Know. OK, now I was going. It's that cold medicine. Uh, there's it's been surprising to me that most of the people that are you know clicking follow and are leaving comments are straight women. And then I can look at my analytics and that's been very surprising to me. I thought just putting myself out there and really not being specific on sort of any one group, but more so talking about like how to turn him on. Like I'm very mm -hmm. much kind of gendered in my delivery a lot of the times, but it's been women that are like really here. Um, and then gay men as well, but then such a cross section of queer individuals and non-binary and I'm finding, um, you know, making content for uh, poly people and just uh, non-monogamous relationships. And so it's been, so many people are showing up with such a variety of experiences and it's really unique and, and special to be in this position where I feel like I can talk to so many individuals, but at the same time, stay true to myself and just relay my message. Um, and it's been really great. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, and at the same time, I'm like very soon going to like, I've got to call out a lot of the coaches, like dating coaches that are providing information to straight guys. Um, that is very bad. And that's something that, like, if I'm really going to show up as a coach and really want to be here in this industry and taken seriously, I think I have to start doing. And so that's one thing, like, we're we're working on it because it's they're not giving good advice. <laughs> so it's interesting to sort of be having that experience now, too, where I'm like, I'm in it and I have a real, like, stake in things. Um, and I disagree with some of the advice out there. Now we are we are speaking to a lot of people in their cars. They're driving to and from work. Uh, a lot of men in the cars, I assume, are sheepishly staring straight ahead down the road. Uh, mm. As we we're talking to you, we, we are definitely talking to you right now. Um, 
You know, I'm sure the, the wives in the car or the husbands or have you uh, would love to see a little bit more romance. Oh, like, I can tell you, mm-hmm. getting my partner to be remotely romantic is like mm-hmm. drawing blood from a stone, that stone being on the moon. It's just, it is, it is strenuous at yeah. best. Um, but let's, you know, what is one tip that we can give all of our lovely, uh, we'll, we'll specify here, what would be a really good tip for uh, some straight men out there who are listening uh, on how maybe they can step up their flirting, uh, flirting game? Sure. Yeah. Straight guys need flirt tips too. We can't sure, exclude them. Sure. Not completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're getting some good advice too, for sure. And I hope this is going to be some good advice for them. So one thing is I love just playing with the element of surprise and spontaneity. So like this is one example I use from my own parents. It's from my mom and stepdad. And they play this game where they have these little sort of action figures, figurines, like a stuffed animal, something like that. And we'll hide it all over the house, maybe with a note or like a little gift, something Sometimes it's just by itself, but it's this game that's ongoing and maybe you find multiples in a day. Maybe it's like a few days goes by, right? The hiding places were really good, but it's fun. Like there's some real flirting there, right? Because there's excitement. There's some anticipation. You're both in on it. Um, And there's just it creates this element of spontaneity and surprise. So how can you bring that into your relationship? Uh, Like, has it been a while since you've been on a date night? Have you been like holding off on a weekend getaway and you want to like surprise your special person with that? So and it doesn't have to be anything like that too. like breaking up routines instead of watching TV after dinner or something, going for a Mm -hmm. walk and just like, but making it really intentional and really special, really special. So bringing some surprise and spontaneity into your otherwise maybe routines i know that uh for me uh what jake did is we'd go on bike rides and uh he brought mm. a couple of uh, uh cold beers in 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 his bike and and when we stopped at a lovely lookout spot we could sit and chill and enjoy the view with a with a cold beer although don't tell uh the bylaw officers uh <laughs> so that they, they hunt me down um but no I, I get what you mean it's really it's about um the intention the the yes. the the, yes. the focus of of time and energy i really hope that folks uh take that away you know i think yeah, like, what you've tapped into is you know we are a gay news show and <laughs> we uh, gay news has not been great recently there's been a lot of very not good news and i think that conversations like this that focus on fun that focus on um romance and love and uh putting yourself out there and 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 reciprocating uh is a very truly welcome break um from some of the the more morbid uh things that we cover Mm. um how can folks you know, find you, reach out to you, get involved. Um, you know, how how can we send people your way to learn a little bit more about flirting than what we've managed to uh, to cover so far? Sure. Well, this has been fantastic. Um, and really, thank you for allowing me to be here and just speak to your listeners. Um, I'll kind of just end if I can with uh, one of my like Instagram posts today was about you know, a lot of one of the biggest topics I hear is like, you know, coming on too strong or being too much, that kind of thing. And so my message today, and I'll just relay this here is to not play it too small, to really feel like you can go out there and ask for what you want. And I know it's going to be hard and like you're probably going to feel anxious and scared about it, but it's okay because just with practice, you'll really start to show up, show up more fully and authentically, right? Is really sort of the mission with that message. Um, And you can find me 
at Benjamin Cameras across uh, or on TikTok and Instagram. Um, yeah, that's primarily where I show up. So I would love to see you over there. Yep. And just for our listeners, that is C A M R A S. Uh, yes. Benjamin Camera C A M R A S. Thank you so much for joining us. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, this conversation today. I'm sure Sebastian uh, did as well. Uh, we Good. will be jumping to our first track. Uh, this one's by the Darcys and features the uh, incredibly talented. Uh, I say features. <laughs> There is, it'll be evident when you hear the track, uh, but there is a great section from the incredible Canadian uh, comedian May Martin uh, in this track by the Darcys. It's called You, uh, you Up, as in Are You Up, um, by um, the Darcys featuring May Martin, and we will be back just after this. Six AM, I gotta catch a flight in the city just for the night. And I was thinking that you just might wanna catch up with me tonight. I know it's getting late, don't wanna complicate the way we left it all. I know it's all. Nostalgic, but we're separate but um i did order you a book online actually but uh... 
Welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just reading the message that you just uh, just messaged there. Uh-huh. You're saying TikTok skews female or male? Male? I'm not sure which one you meant here. Female, yeah. Uh, I was wondering about that because uh, if, 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 if Benjamin was saying his listeners are, are not listeners, the people who interact with him are, are mostly women. I knew that TikTok skewed female but it's actually not as much as i thought uh, i think anything within the 60 40 region is basically half and half but yeah um so yes <laughs> well i think it's a very interesting I'm a numbers uh, guy sorry <laughs> yeah yeah you got caught up in the numbers if anyone wants to flirt with sebastian just uh start mentioning some some statistics and uh, well, that, will, that will certainly create both excitement and tension. Um, well, I yeah, because I am dating. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I think that there is, there is always flirting. You, if you want to know what flirting looks like when you're not dating, go and try and buy a car. <laughs> oh, think, yeah, you know well what I mean? I'm like, there, are, there are definitely scenarios where flirting is uh, very much a thing that happens. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I was actually at a at a party just this pa- party. It was a strange pronunciation. Uh, I was at a party this past uh, weekend for uh, a, f- a friend of mine who turned uh, thirty, and uh, lots of lots of gay folks, there, young gay folks around their thirties, uh, mm-hmm. attending. And we were talking about I don't know. There was a wide variety of of things. Uh, Billy Porter showed up. Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't say hi because I thought it'd be weird given that I'm with the media and it was very much a, a, a not an interview appropriate venue. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, as an aside. But no, what brought me up is we were talking about PFLAG. Um, I think they were discussing different movies and things. And I'd mm-hmm. said that one movie that always makes me cry, I mean, gross, like... You know, like guttural, full body, you know, did your mother just die level of unsexy weeping mm. is prayers for Bobby. You know, I think there's a couple of like movies where like the dog might die at the end and everyone's like, oh, my God, that was so sad. Um, but, yeah, no, prayers for Bobby is a, um, a devastating movie in that it it just hits in a certain way, especially for for queer folks. Um, it is uh, essentially about the woman that helped co-found or found um, PFLAG. And this came up because the 30-year-old in the room did not know what PFLAG was. Oh, I think we were talking about Stonewall and and how Stonewall is obviously uh, from the you know it's from New York. Stonewall is a pub in New York, like is still a pub yeah, in New yeah. York, uh, mm-hmm. and then there's American history, 
and I'm like, well, you know, what about uh, the the Operation Soap in Toronto or the mm -hmm. uh, the fire in uh, the bar in Montreal or Alain Bassot in uh, Ottawa, um, or the the coal miner strike in in the valleys of Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great film called Pride, featuring I want to say Bill Nye. Um, is one of the lead actors in that. Excellent. But excellent. it was a real historical event where the, the gay community in Manchester, I think, supported I think the, the coal miners. Yeah. London? Okay, yeah. During Gays the, for the, the Thatchers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Nobody yeah. liked Thatcher, yeah. so. Um, but yeah, no, they didn't know who P Flag was, and that floored me. I was. You know when people just feign amazement that someone doesn't know something? Like, you don't know. X Y Z, except this this I was I was genuinely a million times surprised because I've well, been at pride parades and you yeah. know this bank goes by and everyone's like yay and then that bank goes by and everyone's like yay community group goes by and you're like yay you know there's a bit more authenticity yeah. and then P flag goes by and some and people people are crying. People are going out and getting mum hugs. You know, it's mm -hmm. it is it it's when P flag goes by, it hits deep. It is um, it it really cuts to the core. So for those of folks who are like, what is P flag? You've said it thirty seven times and not mentioned it. I once listened to a show on this station where they were talking about a um, a TV show from the mid two thousands mentioned the show name once at the start and never again. Um, so I won't do that mistake. P flag is parents and friends of lesbians and gays. P flag. Mm -hmm. yes. And uh, it started off, uh, I forget exactly when it started off. I want to say 70s or 80s. Okay. Yeah. And it was as a result of, um, you know, it's when the gay rights movement was starting to happen. It's, you know, there's the AIDS crisis happening. And at that time, and to... I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to say to a, a much lesser degree now, but not mm -hmm. entirely not so. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of uh, that sentence made no sense. But a lot of um, gay folks, when they came out to their parents, um, they would be kicked out of the house. They would be made homeless. Um, and that's on the light side of what could happen. You know, the yeah. horror stories of what happened in familial settings uh, when queer folks came out, um, you know, from the 80s all the way through to maybe the mid 2000s, um, not a cheerful, not a cheerful moment in time. But P Flag often stepped up. They're like, look, lawmakers aren't listening to the flamboyant gays who are prancing around with a bit too much sparkle in their step. But the dad of this one, who is a lawmaker, is going to step up and advocate. Or the mum of this one, who's been a psychiatrist for 20 years. Or the, the sister of this one, who's an, a nurse that's seen all these men in the ER for during the AIDS crisis, is going to step mm -hmm. up and intervene. It's the friends and the family of those who could, who stood in to help. They, One of the things that they would do is if you came out to your son or daughter. You know, let's not forget that coming out is, we were talking about fantasies and the delusions earlier. You know, mm. as you're, you know, if, when you're a child, your parents have some expectations of what's going to happen. You know, yes. maybe you're going to have kids. Maybe they're going to be grandparents. Maybe they're going to be, you know, th th these th maybe these things and that things will happen. 
And when you say something quite as significant as I am a homosexual, mm -hmm. all of their preconceived future for you stops in that moment and needs mm -hmm. needs to be readjusted. Um, and that can be a shock. That can take mm -hmm. a hot minute to, to get past. A lot of gay folks um, see that reaction and see it as very negative and, and you know, it, it, it spirals down a bit of a hole. But, I mean, let's give people a bit of space here. People have, especially with their own children, they have a bit of an expectation of what might happen, what might develop. And when things don't align, people need a minute to... Mm -hmm. to to reconfigure how they mm -hmm. might see their, their future. But that also works for the people who are coming up, by the way, because PFLAG has helped with um, helping on basically every angle of this. Yeah. One of the, the common stories that I heard, actually, uh, was people who assumed that one parent would accept them and the other would reject them, and it turned out to be the opposite. The parent mm. they thought would reject them was like, whatever, dude, just do your own thing. Don't hurt nobody. And the other one who they thought would accept them just flew off the handle. Um, so there was sort of like counseling involved and support and peer support. Um, I mean, there was that sort of like, I, for lack of a better term, institutionalization of allyship. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 It, it gave people at a moment in their life where they are the most vulnerable, where mm -hmm. your home and your family becomes precarious mm -hmm. and and you don't know what's going to happen next, PFLAG would step in and, and yep. just be there. And it wasn't, you know, a service provider who went through some training. It is the mother of. It is the yeah, sister yeah. of. The father of. It's people who who know that experience and, and can and can live with it. I I have so much love and respect for anyone who volunteers their time um, with PFLAG to be able to do for that for others. And PFLAG now does a lot of folks with tra and a lot of folks, a lot of work with uh, trans folks and trans families. Um, likewise, just navigating what is very often a very, very, very difficult moment. So mm -hmm. when PFLAG matches through, um, you know, the Pride Parade, people in the audience are thinking about not just, oh, this is another bank walking by, yay. They're thinking about coming out to their family. They're thinking about what that meant, what happened, how it could have been better, how it could have been worse. And seeing, you know, proud mum on a banner being marched down, you know, it does make you bring a tear to your eye, and it uh, is definitely powerful. So I, mm -hmm. I felt um, aghast <laughs> that that B flag was unknown, let alone uh, not given the the reverence that uh, that they very much do. They they are, um, mm -hmm. in terms of queer history, uh, especially Western uh, North American queer history, um, absolutely pivotal. Yeah. And it's squeaky clean history too. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard any stories of like an executive director or 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 a, a, a any kind of like management running off with millions of dollars and donated money or getting involved in in labor scandals or sexual harassment scandals or whatever. It's it's one of those one of those institutions that has a very simple message and they've stuck to it and they haven't gotten into nonsense and there's no internal bullying. It's just basically. What can we do to make other people who are uncomfortable more comfortable with their new reality peer-to-peer? -peer, yeah, absolutely. Know? 
And the fact that, like, as you say, it is just another mom. It, it's not, you know, a, a, a 2S LGBTQISSIA plus advocate, you know, telling you what the latest trend in, in mm -hmm. queer and gender studies is. It's just another mom who's like, yep, I was there too. Let me tell you about that. There's yeah. something about that that's very grounding. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, we, I want, okay, I, I saw a Reddit post just last week. It was in the TIFU um, um, thread. I'm, what I'm, is Tifu? I'm, I'm not going to say what Tifu is. You know what Tifu is. Uh -huh. um, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, anyway, uh, it was in this thread, and it's like, today I messed up. And, uh, you know, apparently there's this, this, this dad who's had a son who's like 15, 16, and uh, his friend, for for our listeners here, these are very, very heavy, dramatic air quotes. Friend mm -hmm. uh, came over, and it was pretty obvious that they were together. And uh, the dad genuinely thought that the son knew that he knew, and you know, everyone was super chill until mm -hmm. dramatically one day, um, the son comes out, and uh, dad, being genuinely surprised, reverts to dad humor and goes, "That's gay." <laughs> Which, by the way, as a punchline, hilarious, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, may not have, <laughs> did not land, did not land to uh, this poor gay kid who was having a pivotal life moment uh, in coming out to his dad uh, to be told that's gay. So, so, you know, it's like even now, even I mean, now, I, we don't yeah. we don't always navigate them in the best way. Well, I mean, the the my favorite coming out story ever again that I read on like nightmare stories on uh, on Reddit um, back when I was actually on Reddit. But somebody came out to their father, and their father responded, "Hello, gay. I'm dad." Yeah, that's another classic. I would another uh, classic. Yeah, yeah I, I would but, recommend I mean, maybe not either. If you if your your son or daughter's thinking of coming out, maybe yeah. don't leave with that's gay or hi gay. I'm dad. Um, yeah. Pro tips today. That's what we have. <laughs> and you know keep it chill absolutely but Basically. i mean i think the 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 key piece here is there is so much anxiety and and mm -hmm. so much um caution and concern i was i thought maybe we could move uh through this show without touching on too many news stories but i think this one does relate really nicely to um the story that came out uh just on tuesday last week uh, from the educational secretary in Saskatchewan. They're rolling okay. out a whole bunch of new policies, much in line with um, what we saw recently in New Brunswick. That has led to resignations within the, the ruling party, uh, mm -hmm. significant protests, uh, challenges uh, left, right, and center in New Brunswick, and likewise now uh, in um, in Saskatchewan. In fact, the uh, provincial advocate for children uh, has indicated that they need to review it because the provincial advocate for children was mm -hmm. not consulted. Okay. Uh, the Canadian Civil Liberties Organization said that they're going to review it to see if it's compliant with law uh, and human rights law because they suspect that it may not be. Um, mm -hmm. But essentially, it's the same thing we're seeing in particular out of the states. You know, uh, any changes to how anyone is addressed has to go to parents first. And there are parents of trans people, 400 people showed up to the educational secretary of Saskatchewan's 
uh, offices this last week and protested, along with a whole range of organizations. And, you know, there was a great piece in the CBC about this, and they're saying, look, I am very, very open, but my children who came out as trans talk to their teacher first because they knew that that was a trusting relationship that they could have before they were 100% sure that it's me. And uh, Scott Moe, the premier of, um, of Saskatchewan, was asked multiple times, you know, who are these experts that you've consulted? You keep mm -hmm. saying that we've consulted experts, consulted experts. And he said, well, the parents are experts. And I've spoken to some parents. And it's like, I, I get it. Parents are definitely very invested in the lives mm -hmm. and futures mm -hmm. of their children. I'm not questioning that at all. Mm -hmm. um, but we wouldn't, I hope no parent would just trust the education to a person who happened to birth a human uh, with no other qualifications. Um, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think educational policy should be a little bit more informed than just having given birth. You know what well, I mean? Here's, here's the process that I think is the best one. This is something that they were starting to do about 15 years ago. We were starting to do it, and then we edged back from the cliff of, of jumping into the pool of sanity for once. But anyway, um, there are thousands of school boards around mm -hmm. the world, uh, not just in the Anglosphere, just all over the place. And all of them have different methodologies and frameworks on how to teach sex ed, relationships, um, gender, whatever, to children or teens or, you know, different frameworks. And when you start, what you teach, blah, blah, blah. Basically, just go around the world and find the outcomes 20 years later. So not the kids themselves, because that's, you know, people are, are all wrapped up in their own framework about what's right, what's right, what's wrong, what should we do, what should we not do, and just look 20 years later and say, which group has the lowest rates of STIs, which one has the lowest rates of teenage pregnancy, mm -hmm. which one has the lowest rates of sexual assault, which one has the highest rates of happy relationships, and just are work you, backwards. Are you suggesting an evidence-based approach? Oh my God. And, uh, and this, is, this is, stop the presses, folks. You're suggesting yeah. evidence-based, and, and right. this is my point. I'm like, look, yeah. you know, if, if, and I can even tell yeah. you that when they did that, they found the baton passed back and forth between Sweden and the Netherlands mm -hmm. for about mm -hmm. 30 years because it, it, uh, it depended on which group you're talking about. There's also generational and cultural issues, politics, blah, blah, blah. Broadly speaking, it was those two groups. And they had a very similar outline of like kids learn plumbing. They just learn what their bodies are and how they function. Middle school, they start learning a little bit more about relationships. High school, they talk about sex. And then late high school, they talk about actual dating relationships and consent and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And they had, they had like a, a – I'm grossly over-summarizing it, but they did have like both of them general f same framework. And neither of them shied away from talking about normal, healthy adult stuff with kids. But they also had a very strong idea of like gating it bit by bit by bit. And you could talk about the philosophy behind it, whatever you want. But in the end, the results are there. They have the lowest rates of teen pregnancy, STIs, and sexual assault in these countries. So, I mean, that's a win. Yeah, because we would, theoretically, it would be great if Saskatchewan also had the lowest rates of sexually transmitted infections and bloodborne infections, uh, bloodborne diseases, as well as, you know, sexual assaults and so on. You know, I yeah. think you're right. Let's let's aim for what is proven to work yes. uh, instead of reacting um, with the what is now really just fundamentally a political football. 
You know, it's, it is, it is Jaden Essence Hall going, look over there. Um, and just distracting, just yeah. distracting. And, and so many yeah. people are pushing a thing because their side pushes that thing, not because of his, they've sat down to think about it or they've, they've sat down to look at what are the outcomes of that in the long term. Just, just say, okay, politically neutral, mm -hmm. philosophically neutral, morally neutral. Who has the best? I mean, that's utilitarianism, and some people have problems with that. But just what has the best outcomes? What has I, the least I just, bad outcomes? A part of me feels like, would we say that? health policy should be decided by people who have been in hospitals. Not anyone who's ever worked in a hospital knows anything about health. Just, I visited an ER once. I think they should go like this. You know, it just, uh, let's, we can do better. We know well, how to do better. It should be informed by that. Oh, definitely you informed. Yeah, I, some... I've been going to the hospital a lot lately for my eyes. And in mm -hmm. the entire hospital, they have one restaurant and uh, it's Tim Hortons. And, and it closes also... at 3 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> well, also they have a gastroenterology department. So if you cannot process gluten, lactose, if you're halal, if you can't process fats, if you can't process refined sugars, all the reasons why you go to a gastro department, mm -hmm. you cannot eat in that hospital. I mean, that's that's not a medical professional thing. That is a user thing. So, I mean, the inputs from the parents. Absolutely. And critical. I and I agree. I think any parents should 100 percent be consulted in the formation of educational policy, as should the children. You know, Canada mm -hmm. is a signatory to the International Convention on the Rights of the Child. Children yeah, have yeah, rights. Yeah, yeah. And we sometimes forget about that. Um, yep. But also, there are people who have dedicated their lives to studying models that have worked, such as Sweden and Denmark, mm -hmm. and how those models could be applied in Canada. And I think these are the folks in, Cong in Congress that we should be, Congress mm -hmm. meaning a group of people, not the U.S. Uh, governance system, um, that we should be looking to for this. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just I, There's a lot going on, and uh, we have run out of time to dive into it. <laughs> uh, th we are playing now with uh, Forever is Not a Poem, um, and uh, this is a, a, a great France by um, Young Dead One. And uh, I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. <laughs>